So today we're exploring the importance of adult role modeling for children. Children learn what they live, uh, as we have heard time and time again, but to help us understand how to be the embodiment of the examples that we want to be is uh, Nikki Bush. She is, of course, a speaker, an author, a parenting and human potential expert, and she's right here in studio. Good morning, Nikki. Looking fabulous, as always. Thank you, Rafael Ware. I am off to give a talk this morning. So, yes, I'm dressed to the dines, pearls and it. denim. No, I <laughs> Actually, you've just reminded me. Jean jackets or den- denim jackets. See, this is me now. I shop on other people's bodies. <laughs> Jean jackets or denim jackets are such a fabulous addition to any wardrobe, but you always need to find the right one. And I'm telling you, Nikki, you have found the right one. <laughs> the lines <laughs> on that one you. are absolutely <laughs> fabulous. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll knock them. You'll knock it out the ballpark in today's talk as per usual. But let's talk children learning what they live and the importance of adult role modeling for kids. You're Nikki. <laughs> it's You're a not, big topic. It's a big topic. <laughs> but right off the bat, no doubt, you are not calling on parents and guardians to be perfect. You are calling on parents not. and guardians to be what instead? Really to show up for their kids as everyday heroes and Really thinking about how you want your children to be later on in their lives. How do you want them to treat other people? How do you want them to treat belongings? How do you want them to think about themselves? You know, we've just had Women's Month. And I can't tell you how often during Women's Month I've been asked by women about imposter syndrome. Now, imposter syndrome is when you don't feel worthy enough, when you don't feel good enough for the opportunity that's presented itself or the relationship or the job or whatever it is. And in fact, I've come to the conclusion that with women, we have had so many centuries of conditioning Mm -hmm. to play second fiddle, to stay in the chorus, not step into the spotlight, that in order to get over that, we have to consciously push against the bias that we have against ourselves due to what we have seen and experienced and what our mothers and their mothers and their mothers before them experienced because it is partly cellular and it comes through sort of generationally but it's also what we've seen so much of you know of how we turn out in life is our lived experience and what we see And children learn what they see. Children learn what they live. Mm -hmm. So there's this beautiful poem by Dorothy Law Nolte. And you can Google this to all the parents who are listening because it's a great one to print out and read to yourself. And I'm going to read some of it to you. If children live with criticism, they learn to condemn. If children live with hostility, they learn to fight. If children live with fear, they learn to be apprehensive. Mm-hmm. We've spoken about that so often, you know, you know, last week we spoke about the words to use instead of be careful. Sure. So a lot of it is either how we show up or the words that we use with our kids. If children live with pity, they learn to feel sorry for themselves. If children live with ridicule, they learn to feel shy. If children live with jealousy, they learn to feel envy. If children live with shame, they learn to feel guilty. 
If children live with encouragement, they learn confidence. If children live with tolerance, they learn patience. If children live with praise, they learn appreciation. If children live with acceptance, they learn to love. If children live with approval, they learn to like themselves. I think that is mm, a so very important. big one, you yeah. know. If, um, if children live with recognition, they learn it is good to have a goal. Mm-hmm. I think that's one we have to be careful of, of course. We've spoken about this often. We need to be celebrating the process, not just the outcome, the process mm-hmm. being the effort being put in and the skills being learned along the way. If children live with sharing, they learn generosity. If children live with honesty, they learn truthfulness. If children live with fairness, they learn justice. If children live with kindness and consideration, they learn respect. If children live with security, they learn to have faith in themselves and in those around them. And finally, if children live with friendliness, they learn the world is a nice place in which to live. Now, we have lived two and a half years mm. with building emotional walls around ourselves to protect ourselves from the pandemic and people who are sick. Sure. And so, you know, we're having to, and I think that was two shows ago, we spoke about the fact that we need to be making our circle bigger. But, you know, children close their ears to advice, but they open their eyes to example. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. So the little eyes are constantly watching. That's the first thing. Talk to us about exactly that, that open their eyes to and, and see your actions and constantly watch your actions. What does it mean to be that everyday hero? So, yes, you're not perfect, but I imagine that it also is about consistency. So where you might fall down, where you might not be the best version of yourself at all times, there's an overarching theme where your child knows that generally mom is like this or generally this is how we ought to behave and generally this is mom's approach to life absolutely and such an everyday example here would be um when it's dinner time and just picture the scene uh my kids were in primary school and i yell it's five minutes to dinner and i've made a lovely meal you can smell the aroma throughout the house my husband's sitting on the patio doing some last minute work on his laptop, one child's in the garden, one child's in his room doing homework, and dad yells, supper time, Mm. and nobody moves. Nobody takes any step towards the dining room. Mm. And really what transpired there was that he didn't move. He yelled the instruction... (laughs) But he didn't shift his body. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what our children see is either our facial expressions or the direction, the movement of our body. And, And then as soon as he stood up, and boomed again to the dinner table, boys. Mm. Your mother's made a delicious dinner. Let's respect her. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> That's when there was this flurry of movement mm-hmm. in the direction of the dining room table. So previously, my children had heard him, but they hadn't seen him taking action. Mm. So we can say to our children as much as we like, you know, don't litter. But if we chuck things out of our windows, we're driving. What are they learning? Mm. Um, 
we have to be, as you said, the most consistent version of ourselves. And we're going to get it wrong. This is a typical example. Of course. You know, we get sidelined by something. Um, or you have a bad hair day and, and you're grumpy. Mm-hmm. We all have bad hair days. But it's, it's, you know, it's that consistency, the common thread, that most of the time this is how we show up in the world. So if you wanted to reduce the amount of screen time in your house, What's good for the goose is good for the gander. If you are always on your phone, mm-hmm. and if you think about it, you collect your children from school, but you're in the middle of a long list of to-dos during the day. And say you are now dropping your kids at home, but you use that 20 minutes to catch up on business calls while they're in the car. What signal are we giving our children mm-hmm. that other things are more important than them. And if that's the only 20 minutes you have, best you make that sacred time, you can get on with the other stuff afterwards. Unless, of course, it's critical, in which case you're going to say to your children, when we get in the car, mum has to make one very urgent business call. So you frame it. You frame the fact that this is a deviation. There's a reason why. And... Please and thank you for your cooperation. Absolutely. And your support in being quiet in the car. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I've finished on this call, I'm all yours. Mm -hmm. So that's really, you know, sketching. Children love to know what's coming next. They love the predictability Mm -hmm. that makes them feel secure. They also like to know where they fall on your list of importance because we're all very busy. And, you know, gone are the days... And it's rare to find a stay-at-home parent. And I don't say a stay-at-home mum. Of course. Because these days it can be a stay-at-home dad. It could be a granny. It could be anybody. But whoever is with the children the most, mm-hmm. obviously that's the person they're getting a lot of cues from yeah. all the time. So we need to be very aware of those things. Um, and then, of course, it's things like eating together. If you've decided that eating together is a a thing for you, if it's important, mm-hmm. then as, as parents, you need to make a plan to be at the dinner table. It's very easy these days, of course, to not even watch television together mm-hmm. because we can each be watching a different program on a different device at the same time. So you might also role model family time and togetherness by saying, okay, let's choose a series to watch together. So you have one common series that you're all watching, which means you have one conversation that is something in common that you can talk about all the time. Uh, Things like the chores. Do you all share in the chores or does one person get lumped with most of the chores? Once again, that's respect, it's sharing, it's caring. You know, Barney was quite right. You know, (laughs) sharing is caring and all of those things. But here's another one from when my eldest son was doing his learner's license. So, you know, for a year, um, if you're going to be a, a driver of a car, you have to sit in that vehicle behind that steering wheel with Somebody with a license next to you. What did you guys, how did you guys handle that? So this was interesting. You know, there there was one day when I witnessed what could have been a fatal accident. My son was not in the car with me at the time. A scooter pulled out from a stop street, seemingly oblivious to this huge truck barreling towards it. And it actually wasn't the truck's fault. Mm, It was the scooter driver's fault. He had plenty of time to pull off. 
but he didn't do so. And then suddenly he did at the last minute. And it was one of those moments when, you know, you go, <gasps> as, a drive, <laughs> as a driver. And um, I was close enough to see the look of horror yeah. on that truck driver's face. Yeah. So as it swerved to avoid that scooter, it was such a close call. And I remember I retold the story to my 17-year-old. Um, and um, he was actually driving. I was in the passenger seat when I was retelling the story. And he made such an interesting comment, which speaks to this conversation that we're having, that mm. children are watching us. So he says, um, you see, mom, there's a big difference between being a learner driver in a car and a learner driver on a scooter. Mm -hmm. By law, I have to have you or dad in the car with me. And a scooter driver has no one, which is true. Sure. Scooter driver just gets on the scooter and drives, you know, which means he or she can't learn from the experiences of others. I have learned so much from you guys because you are always telling me what to look out for, mm -hmm. where the tricky parts of a particular road are, and how to anticipate what other drivers might do. Being able to actually drive a vehicle, this is his words, not mine, doesn't mean you know all this stuff as much as you like to think you do. A scooter driver has to work this all out by themselves. <laughs> you guys must have been pretty chuffed when he said those <laughs> words. I mean, talk about uh, real affirmation um, from, from your child. That's was pretty quite, cool. I was quite blown away by this insight and yeah. this admission, you know, because at that stage, they think they know everything. Yeah. So, and, and he was actually a very good driver because... Technically, he'd been driving since the age of nine sure. in the game reserve in very difficult to drive Land Rovers and things. Yeah. So he was actually a very good driver. So, you know, he actually admitted that in the first few weeks of having his learner's license, actually being in that driver's seat and carrying that responsibility of being the driver was more nerve wracking than he expected. Yeah. And, and, and it is actually, yeah. and if you um, remember when you got your driver's license, I remember the first time I set off on my own after getting my driver's license. And I remember going to fetch my sister from school, the same school I'd been to, the mm -hmm. same high school. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many hundreds of times had I driven that route as a passenger? But when you drive it as a driver, yeah. it is a completely different story and a different set of responsibilities it's a different experience and i felt lost actually and, <laughs> and you experience the road very differently as well nikki right as as you know as per the parent child dynamic uh when your parent is in charge versus when you have to now navigate life by yourself yeah. yes you've seen your parent navigating the world yeah. but now you're doing it yourself <laughs> and it feels incredibly different so, pic so picture this scene he gets his driver's license mm. And insists on driving home. Yeah. It's now rush hour. On the same hour. day. Ooh. It's now rush hour. It's five o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon. We're coming from D Xavier Street in the south. <laughs> and it's a five lane highway that we get onto. Yeah. Well, did I hold my breath. Oh my goodness. It was probably one of the scariest moments of being a parent. <laughs> you know what you call that? A rookie mistake. You got too excited <laughs> and you did too much too oh, soon. Oh my goodness. But yeah. Nikki, for parents who, I mean, we're talking about role modeling, we're talking about um, the fact that you you don't have to be perfect but for a parent for parents who are experiencing a tough time whether they are d dealing with mental health issues or whether they're dealing with 
um, a crisis at work or even the breakdown of a relationship, a divorce or, you know, whatever it might be, even addiction, for instance. How do you do all of this role modeling as best as you can whilst also dealing with something quite big, quite challenging for any individual? Yeah, big question. And I think, you know, the honesty of the fact that you're going through something, even if you can't explain all the details to your child. And, you know, here's a common example. You're tired. Parents get tired. Mm -hmm. And it's to be able to say to your children something like, mommy or daddy needs to take a break. I'm going to close my door now. And I'm going to come out in 30 minutes. Once again, we sketch the scene. We show them on a clock. When the clock gets to this number, I'm going to come out. Because if I take a rest now, I'm going to be a nicer mum or dad when I come out. Mm -hmm. Because I need to calm down and I've got things that I'm having to work out at work or whatever it is that it is that you, you need to be working out. But to give your children that surety that you'll be back out but you also need to take a pause and you know what we also need to give our children moments of pause Mm. when they're going through something you know when you were having a bad day the other day Mm. when you got cross because little johnny stole your whatever borrowed your whatever broke your truck and you got mad Mm. you also needed a time out and i need a time out right now so that i can breathe and when i'm back with you I'll feel much better. Yeah. So there's a lot of trust there, trusting the fact that your child can deal with the information that you're giving them, but you're also uh, sketching it out, as you say, within reasonable parameters, something that they can actually grasp. And, and I did this from the time my children were, th- my son was three. Mm. Um, I would, I would sketch out that I needed time alone. Mm. And gee, it's better than me carrying on with them and becoming a nag or losing my cool or things like that, which then makes them feel like they are the cause of the problem. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's the issue, is to make sure that our children don't feel like they caused you the pain or the trouble or the whatever. So, you know, letting your kids off the hook by saying, this isn't your fault, you haven't caused this, but I need to take a breath. So effective parent by parenting yourself (laughs) and regulating yourself. Bottom line, hundred (laughs) percent. If children see us regulate ourselves, Mm. they will learn to regulate themselves, and that's probably the best role modelling that you can do. All right, fantastic stuff, Nikki. We're going to leave it right there, and of course, um, everyone can find more on this on nikkibush.com. Fabulous. Look forward to next week. All right. If there's anything you'd like Nikki to unpack, to deal with in the weeks to come, please do drop us an email, rafilo at 702.co.za, and we will pass it right along to 